411Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. As you travel through this journey called life, do you sometimes wish there was someone to encourage you? Someone to remind you that saying no is sometimes right. It's the right answer. Someone who helps you establish healthy boundaries. Someone who's just there to listen. Hello, everyone. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. Today, we're talking about an organization that delivers on all those things that I'm talking about. I have two exceptional women as my guest today. Sarah Newman, she's the visionary owner of Rise Youth and Family Services and the driving force behind Project Mosaic. You're going to hear a lot about these two organizations. And Ebony Reeves, who is tapping into her better self, her best self. And she's being coached by Sarah. Okay, so there's that connection. We're going to talk about how this all works, how this lays out. But first of all, I just want to find out how you guys ended up connecting. So how did you connect with Ebony, Sarah? Basically, I connected with Ebony through uh, my nonprofit, Project Mosaic. I partnered with America Works, which is a workforce development organization, about two years ago. And the director there, Carlisle, allowed me to implement my model and fine-tune it working with the participants of the W-2 program. So got connected with Ebony a couple years ago. She worked with another one of my employees and then eventually transitioned to me and we've been uh, working for the last couple years. She's like knocked out a bunch of her goals and just really developed a good connection. Yeah. How was that meeting with Sarah for you, Ebony? It was a good meeting. I was already familiar with Sarah because we connected a few times virtually for, Mm -hmm. like, parenting skills classes and different networking like that. So for her to be my, you know, life coach, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a hard transition because I was already familiar with Sarah. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, I started hearing about life coaching. Life coaches, you know, everybody was going to be a life coach and just kind of wondered what that meant. You know, what is involved in that? In my intro, I gave it like a guide. How do you maneuver that? How, what does that look like? Yeah, so I, I do want to clarify a little bit because I'm okay. not technically a life coach. So I, we do coaching. So my model we call family coaching. I am by training. I'm a therapist mm-hmm. um, and mentor and that kind of thing. But overall, it's the same type of work, right? So I guess the way it works is, you know, I work with Ebony or whoever I'm working with on really identifying what's important to them. Mm -hmm. I can't step in and define for them what their goals should be, what matters to them. I need to hear their story and not just their story about mental health or employment or education, but really holistically, like what things make them them and what things are going to contribute to their success, how they see it. And so that's really how it works. So that's kind of where we start. Like, what matters to you? That's where you get the buy-in. That's where you get kind of the fuel to keep going and figure out, you know, what are the conversations to be had? What are the skills to be taught? What are the resources to deliver in order to help that person reach their goals? Okay, how to get where you want to go. Yeah, for sure. And it's back and forth too, right? So I've done most of my learning from the individuals I've worked with over the last 25 years. School and books takes you so far, you Mm -hmm. know, but really like learning to hear people and understand their story and how 
that's going to unfold like today and tomorrow. That's really right. where I think you start. Yeah. So, Ebony, when you started this process, where were you and where are you now? Okay. So what's your so, story? I guess I'm asking. So I was on my self-love and healing journey when mm. we were connected. So I felt to implement her was perfect because I needed that extra. I didn't know how to get to where I wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. So with the help of Sarah, I really learned a lot about self-care and the importance of mental health and just staying on top of that because if I don't stay on top of that, I cannot continue to be an honor roll student. I cannot run my household. I cannot take care of my children. And I, I'm real big on breaking generational cycles and curses. Right. That was my main thing. I wanted to learn to manage my emotions better and break generational curses so that my children, you know, can break those things and so that they don't even they're not even connected to it so that when they start having children they can do things in healthy ways so where I am now I think we're all a work in progress still but I think I know that if it weren't for Sarah and her resources that I probably would kind of have like a dark cloud over me because Mm -hmm. I was unaware of her program and I was unaware of the knowledge that I've been learning from her. And Sarah's really big on reminding you of how far you've come and like, Ebony, you you accomplished this. And I'm, I am learning to celebrate even the small things yes. because I'll tell Sarah like, hey, I got 4.0 this semester. And I'll kind of, to me, that's what I'm supposed to do. So I don't go like, oh, yeah. And she was like, that's awesome. And I'm, it's like, she's more excited than right. me. So I'm learning to celebrate the big, the small, the in-betweens, because, you know, I'm an awesome person and I've come a long way. I like that. I'm an awesome person. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, you were talking about generational curses. First of all, where are you in this, you know, you said 4.0. Oh, so I'm a student at MATC. Okay. Um, I'm majoring in criminal justice to become a victim's right advocate for domestic uh, violence and sexually abused women and children. Mm-hmm. So I graduate in May. Oh, wow. So this is my third semester, and I'm a part of the National Honor Society and the National Leadership Society, and I do awesome. And oh, you um, go. I'm proud of myself. But like I said, sometimes I have to remind myself, like, everybody can't get 4.0s. Like, you have to applaud yourself, even if I just take myself for ice cream for getting that 4.0. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, you have to love on yourself. Right. So, yeah, I'm excited to graduate and start working in the field I would like to work in. So if you don't mind, I want to kind of delve into kind of the past, whereas you had to learn these skills. I mean, what was happening back there that you didn't practice the self-love? You weren't affirmed. What what was going on back um, there? A lot of it was I didn't. I didn't really have the resources to do so. Like, I've always had a therapist. I've been in therapy since I was eight years old, so for a while now. But I guess I didn't know how to incorporate everything I was being taught. So I was always told, just go to therapy, talk to somebody. When you're at therapy, you only feel good at that moment. Mm -hmm. When you leave, it's back to life and back to everything. So I had to realize, okay, yeah, you're in therapy, but working out and... You know, meditating, doing yoga, you have to do all the things so that you can have successful results. And I wanted to attract better. 
I didn't I was tired of attracting the same type of friends and guys and just unhealthy situations. Mm-hmm. So I just stopped going out, became celibate, just did a lot of different things that I felt was attracting me to unhealthy patterns. And like right away I start a lot of people start falling out of my life who probably didn't need to be there anymore. Right. And I start attracting healthier habits. So I start going to the gym more. I became vegan, vegetarian. I just did a lot of different things that I thought was the norm because that's what I was exposed to growing up. And I just wanted better for my kids. And I feel like with me making those changes, I'm happier. So they get to see a happy mom. They don't get to see a burnt out mom and a, you know, grouchy mom. Now I'm human. I still have my days. But for the most part, they're like, oh, mom's, mom's good. So we're good. That's great. That's great. So, Sarah, Mosaic, Project Mosaic, mm-hmm. which she was talking about. So there's there's the counseling aspect. But I understand it's like a holistic experience. Right. There are a lot of elements to this. Yeah, and I think, actually, Ebony, you kind of point out the like the crux of it all, where she's like, yeah, I was going to therapy, and it was like once a week, whatever. And clearly I'm clinical background, right? Mm-hmm. So I find value in therapy. But it is so much more. So it's like you can't just be addressing the mental health and expect everything else to kind of fall in place, right? right? Or you can't just go get a job and you're good. And so, like, I think, you know, one of the things that, Ebony, you kind of point out is that, you know, yeah, the mental health piece is important. But then it is like what are the other things you're putting in place? The physical health, the mindfulness, the meditation, the the parenting. I mean, you, like... Ebony, one of the things I've learned about you, and we've talked about this, is that she will, I think, not dismiss, but, you know, not recognize, like, all the stuff she's accomplishing. So, like, I'm just going to, like, double down on what you said. But, like, yeah, the school thing is huge. I have seen her, you know, navigate raising a teenager and a toddler. I mean, who does that? That's hard when you've got the two extremes, right? Manage relationships, manage mental health without having to be dependent on medication all the time. And so that's really what Project Mosaic is. is It kind of came out of my experience over the years of you can't just fix one piece, Mm -hmm. you know. And then when you start outsourcing, so it's like, oh, you, you get therapy over here and maybe you get employment over here and then you get, you know, this resource over here. But there's very little continuity and collaboration And so that is kind of what Project Mosaic is. It's like, let's give a person a coach and we will work on all those things with the individual at their, at their, with their direction and, you know, reach out and collaborate as needed, but be that person that can link some, like link somebody in a, in a meaningful way, not just be like, oh, here's a number, go call, but actually make that warm handoff and help to ensure the connection is made. Um, And that's kind of the, that's the piece that I think is unique with Project Mosaic. Yeah. Kind of breaking down the silos. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's good. So how long has Project Mosaic been in existence? So let's see. I started developing the model technically in 2017, 2018. But obviously, like, I've been doing this work for, like, 25 years, so it's been a slow movement toward this. I think officially I founded the organization somewhere during COVID when we were all trying to find projects to do. So somewhere in like 2019, 2020. So yeah, officially in I think 2020. Okay. So So, and this is the nonprofit arm Mm -hmm. to your for-profit business. Yeah. So they're two separate entities. So Project Mosaic is the nonprofit piece and then Rise Youth and Family Services that's the piece that has been around like up and running since like 2016, 2017. And that's the side that contracts with the county, state, 
you know, everything's kind of run like that. Project Mosaic is my, like, super, super creative space. I get to mm -hmm. make my own rules and programs, and it's very, very fun for me. So yeah. we get to think outside the box with nobody telling me you can't do that or you have to do it this way, which right. is lovely for me. <laughs> and then within Project Mosaic, do you have different activities that people uh, – you were talking about the meditation is important, yoga is important, you know, all these different things. Do you provide – yeah, so it's it's really individualized. Mm -hmm. Every individual we work with, we have like an action plan where we look at the five areas of their life and figure out like what's going to work, what's a good fit. We are evolving. We're ever evolving, right? So we do, we've run parenting groups, we do in-services, we have a women's group that we've had a few sessions and we're going to kind of like step it up again. Mm -hmm. I have like five women who are interested in meditation and yoga. So I actually got my yoga teacher training certification. Look at you. Okay. <laughs> um, and doing trauma-informed yoga and yoga for anxiety and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, if it's, and then I pull from like people, like I pull from my staff. Like I have this amazing team. I have like 17 employees. So when somebody has like a skill set, I'm like, hey, let's, let's create something out of that. So we've got a men's group starting. We do a cooking class right now. We do a lot of different things, really tapping into the experiential piece. Mm-hmm. That's and if great. we don't, we find somebody that can and we, you know, I like to partner. I like to partner usually with little organizations just mm -hmm. who are up and coming. And so, yeah. That's good. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about dealing with the whole person, you know, the, the mental and the physical and all mm -hmm. those kind of things. And you said you're helping people reach their goals, whatever that, that might be. And I'm just wondering, do sometimes you find where people are putting blockages in their lives that prevent them from reaching their goals. And how do you break that down? Mm -hmm. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. You're listening to the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. I'm an ex-drug dealer, and I'll be your sub today. Two milligrams of fentanyl can be lethal. A lethal dose is in here. Who gets it, I won't know. It's cheap, it's potent, and it's profitable. The sad reality is fentanyl is being mixed into everything now. More kitchen now. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now here's your food for thought. When he said I could have everything I've ever wanted, I didn't expect it to slip through my fingers in a split second. I started out as a girl living a life of happiness with someone I believed I could trust. Then he twisted what I saw into a world of darkness. He took away my innocence, broke me down until I was no longer a human being, sent me into the streets to find date after date, bed after bed, so I could earn the cold hard cash he couldn't wait to spend. People think I'm a lost cause, someone just looking for a good time. When in reality, I'm being trafficked and they don't know the signs. This is only one example of sex trafficking. Maybe other victims can escape if everyone learns the signs before it's too late. For more information, visit the411live.org. Substance use disorder and addiction is so isolating. And so, as a black woman in recovery, hope must be loud. It grows louder when you ask for help and you're vulnerable. It is the thread that lets you know that no matter what happens, you will be okay. Judy, Judy. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the 411 Live. I'm talking with Sarah Newman, who is um, the owner of Rise Youth and Family Services and Project Mosaic. And we're also talking to Ebony Reeves. And Ebony, I just feel compelled to share that she's a newlywed. So congratulations to Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. That's Thank wonderful. You. When we ended, I wanted to find out, as you work with people, your clients, do you find that some people have, you know, they, they say, I want, the, this is what I want in my life. This is what I want. But there are blockages, roadblocks, walls that they have from their past experiences mm-hmm. that they need to break those walls down to get to that goal. Do you, do you find that? Yeah, absolutely. That happens regularly with individuals. Well, how do you help them to first identify it? And break it down. Yeah, and I think sometimes the identification is the hardest piece because yeah. people, like, we've all got blind spots. Yeah. And if you have a blind spot, you don't even know, like, what it is, right? You don't see it. So I think sometimes just being able to, through conversation and hearing stories and kind of day-to-day stuff, it's like, wait a second, did you look at it this way? Or pointing out, like, okay, you tell me that you want, you know, you want to, whatever, get a job. Yet I see you're doing this, this, and this, and those don't go together, so help me make that make sense. And so sometimes it's really just helping people identify the discrepancy and what they say they want and Mm -hmm. how they're moving, right? So I think identification is one. I think also tapping into what are the underlying two things, both patterns and feelings. So sometimes, you know, we we get comfortable with what's familiar. So if we grow up in a certain way or we have an experience happen the same way over and over again, even if that is not working for us or it's unhealthy, it feels comfortable and safe. So that's why you see people who keep repeating like maybe an unhealthy relationship, you know, or, you know, whatever it may be. But it's not um, like cognitively, they may be like, this isn't good for me, but it you know, unconsciously, this feels normal. You know, this feels normal, even though it's not good for me. So recognizing some of those patterns and being able to just bring awareness to them, you know, and then the other thing, it can be feelings. So it can be like um, fear, you know, fear of change. Maybe you don't recognize that, um, yeah, like maybe this relationship or this goal I'm trying to reach is really exciting to me, but I'm scared I'm going to fail or it's unfamiliar and I don't know how to do that or I have to be vulnerable and that terrifies me. Yeah, that doesn't feel good. No. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's supporting people on that journey and being like, it's okay to feel those things. It's okay that this is your pattern. Let's let's reframe it. Let's let's write a new ending and see if we can play with that a little bit and where we go. So I think that's probably the easiest right. way to explain it. Right. Ebony, you mentioned as you were growing and doing that self-development piece, people started dropping out of your life. Yeah. Was that scary for you or? Yes, because it made me feel like I'm doing something wrong. And then I had to re-examine the people and I was like, bye, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't need you. Right, right, right. Because um, I just feel like sometimes, most times the company you keep. Yeah. You shouldn't keep some people, you know, so. Yeah, sometimes the people that you, the company that you keep, the bad ones, they influence you. Yeah, and misery loves company. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sarah, why did you get into this this work? What drew you to become a therapist? So I would say there's a couple things. Um, Some personal, some professional. Um, 
I'll start personal. So when I was young, um, I did have an experience. I uh, My first sexual experience was non-consensual. And I had parents, like super supportive, loving family, but I was not trying to tell them about what happened. I was only 14 years old, so I was yeah. young, young. In my opinion, young, I guess, you know. Um, but I did not feel comfortable telling them. And so I remember the next day I went and I talked to a friend. I, literally, we were at church and we sat out on the steps and I told her what happened. And her response to me was like some exclamation and she called me a slut. So wow. all those fears I had of like, did I bring this on? Um, what's wrong with me? You know, what did, you know, I guess like, who am I? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how to deal with these feelings. Like all that stuff just got reinforced by that response. And I'm not mad. I, you know, she was 14 too. Like right. she's not equipped to handle that type of disclosure and know how to help me deal with it in a healthy way. Um, so, but regardless, like I shut that information down for a really, really long time and continued having those yucky feelings, um, made behavioral decisions, you know, like we do based on our experiences when you have like some sort of a trauma like that. We see that come out in all sorts of ways. So it wasn't until I was like in my 20s, because when you go to grad school to be a therapist, they make you like talk about feelings and you yeah. got to like dig deep in yourself and all that stuff. So I had to do all that. Um, so when I was like 23, 24, I finally labeled what happened to me appropriately. And I was able to be like, no, like this happened to me. It's not something that I participated in. It's not my fault. It's not. So I had all that stuff happen, but it was 10 years later. And then we talk about patterns, right? So I had 10 years of kind of this way of thinking and viewing myself. Um, so once I was able to label it, I did tell my mom. Right. Um, and then, you know, it, it pointed out to me the importance of having adults in your life, even if you have parents, right? Um, having adults in your life that you can go to as a young person that are safe and you can be comfortable talking to, because I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've seen now professionally, mentors can be that person, you know, crisis workers can be that person. And it can be super, super powerful to be able to give that, you know, allow that safe space for somebody to share. And I think like what would have happened had I had that person and been able to process what happened to me right away with somebody who was emotionally able to handle that yes. disclosure. So I'd say that, you know, personally drove me to be as passionate as I am about the work. And whether you're a therapist or a mentor or a parent advocate, it doesn't matter. You know, you're, it doesn't matter what your credentials are, your label is, it's the work, it's the relationship that matters. Um, so I think that's driven me from a personal standpoint, professionally, you know, doing this work for so long, I've seen, I've seen so many, you know, amazing workers out there, not so amazing workers out there, um, learned a ton, like I said, from working with people. Um, that it has pushed me to move to different levels. So, you know, I started out as a social worker, then a therapist. Then I wanted, I started training people. I wanted my own company so I could train my staff to be out there. And then now I help other people develop companies and I train their staff to be out there. And so it's like, I think it's evolved from personal into kind of like micro practice yeah. to more of a macro level. Mm -hmm. And like, how can I do my part in making sure the people who are out there working with individuals and families are at their best and super competent um, because we're 
really this sounds dramatic, but I think it's real. Like we are really like dealing with people's lives and we can make or break an experience for them by either providing an ear and the support needed or being dismissive and kind of doing to them what I felt like happened right. to me. You know, right. so I guess that's kind of my why it's yeah, been evolving. Yeah, I, I mean, that's great because you took what happened back then mm-hmm. to help other people move forward now. And you mentioned the, the mentoring part, um, having that adult. And your daughter is, she has a mentor. She's in a mentorship, yes. right? Uh, through Rise, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So have you seen the benefit for her? She's 14. Mm-hmm. Have you seen um, the I've seen a benefit. I mean, she's still your typical teenager, right. but she's a good kid. She's more social. She opens up more. She's always been a very free spirit who does what she wants, says what she wants, still respectfully. Mm-hmm. But um, I see a lot of openness and a lot of love. Yeah. You know, a lot of she's eager to help. And, you know, just eager to be herself and doesn't really care what you think. And initially when she first, before she started meeting with her mentor, she was a little withdrawn and was, you know, coming into herself. And now she's like, this is who I am and this is what I believe. And so it's interesting to see that. I I wish I could have had something like that growing up because... A lot of times when I was 13, 14, 15, it was just weird. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to figure out who I was. And I just wanted to be liked. And my daughter's like, look, <laughs> I don't care. This is who I am. So I, I see, I envy, you know, sometimes that she has that courage. But it makes me feel like I'm doing something right by getting her the resources and pouring in a lot of values and things in her that I wish I would have gotten. Right. Right. You have mentioned a lot of things. You know, you've you've done the work, so to speak. You know, you've had the therapist, but you've also done the work. Um, and you said that you were in therapy since you were like eight or so. Oh, yeah. So that, that mental health piece, whereas a lot of people run away from it, don't want to address it, you have embraced it. What, what advice or encouragement would you give to people who are listening? Um take your mental health serious and there are lots of resources out there for you to you know become a healthier person yeah yeah and you said your journey is still going on you're still oh yeah i'm still a work in progress aren't we all though you know yeah so sarah since the pandemic people have really been talking about mental health so do you see more people gravitating towards mental health yeah, I think it's become more normalized, um, even just within the schools, like implementing more programming, focusing on mental health. I think that, you know, one of the unique things about me having the opportunity to work with people who are not systems involved, so the people uh, under Project Mosaic, they're not in child welfare, they're not in Milwaukee Wraparound, they're not in like one of the big programs. So they are the people I feel like are at risk of like falling through the cracks and not even knowing what help is out there or you know, having like going down a path of needing higher level of care when maybe we could jump in and prevent it. So like, I think that the increased awareness about mental health and impact from the pandemic has allowed the like these types of services to filter into areas where maybe they weren't before, which I think, you know, a lot can come out of that. You know, like I've met so many women, like so many women, I do these assessments um, with the workforce development group at America Works. And there's women who they don't leave their house. 
like they got comfortable in the pandemic and now it's kind of like evolved into like, a, like real high social anxiety and they don't even want to go out anymore. Wow. And so not, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people that that's like the situation. And, and my goal with them, we do try to connect them with coaching or some community support just to, you know, push them a little bit. Like how can you start to have some social, um, social connection with your like for yourself and for your kids because you know their kids aren't getting it either right but i've also seen like there's more need to you know what i mean right. is somebody who's listening and they want to get in touch with you what do they do so there's a couple different ways um so rise youth and family services we are an outpatient mental health clinic as well. And so you can just go to our website, you can call, make an appointment. We take a lot of insurances. Um, and that's how you get connected to the um, therapy piece. We also have a sliding fee scale for all the services. So if somebody wants a mentor, if they want a parent advocate, you know, we, we work with them on finding that. And then through Project Mosaic, um, looking at doing more and more programming that's community-based. Excellent, and the number to call is? 414-252-5166. I made you think about it, didn't I? I know. I'm so used to my <laughs> cell phone. I don't know that I want to give that out. <laughs> hey, it's been great talking to both of you. Sarah Newman, who is the founder of and visionary of Rise Youth and Family Services and Project Mosaic, and Ebony Reeves, the newlywed. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in for another episode. Of course, we are a nonprofit organization, so if you feel so inclined, go to our website, the411live.org org and uh, help us out until next time i'm beverly taylor and this is the 411 live real people real talk if you would like to check out past episodes there are many ways go to your favorite podcast platform follow us on twitter and instagram like and watch us on facebook watch and subscribe to our youtube channel and if you have suggestions for future episodes go to our website the411live.org 